Section twenty eight of The Green Rust by Edgar Wallace. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter twenty eight. The Coming of Dr. Milsom. She rose to meet him, and he stood spellbound, still holding the handle of the door. It seemed that she had taken on new qualities, a new and an ethereal grace. At the very thought even of his technical possession of this smiling girl who came forward to greet him, his heart thumped so loudly that he felt she must hear it. She was pale, and there were dark shadows under her eyes, but the hand that gripped his was firm and warm and living. "'I have to thank you for much, Mr. Beale she said. Mr. Kitson has told me that I owe my rescue to you. Did he? he asked awkwardly, and wondered what else Kitson had told her. I am trying to be very sensible, and I want you to help me, because you are the most sensible man I know. She went back to the lounge chair where she had been sitting, and pointed to another. It was horribly melodramatic, wasn't it? But I suppose the life of a detective is full of melodrama. Oh, brimming over, he said. If you keep very quiet, I will give you a resume of my most interesting cases, he said, making a pathetic attempt to be flippant, and the girl detected something of his insincerity. You have had a trying day, she said, with quick sympathy. Have you arrested Dr. Van Heerden? He shook his head. I am glad, she said. Glad? She nodded. Before he is arrested, she spoke with some hesitation, I want one little matter cleared up. I asked Mr. Kitson, but he put me off and said you would tell me everything. What is it? he asked steadily. She got up and went to her bag, which stood upon a side table, opened it, and took out something which she laid on the palm of her hand. She came back with one hand extended, and Beale looked at the glittering object on her palm and was speechless. Do you see that? she asked. He nodded, having no words for the moment, for that was a thin gold ring. "'It is a wedding ring,' she said, "'and I found it on my finger when I recovered.' "'Oh,' said Beale blankly. "'Was I married?' she asked. He made two or three ineffectual attempts to speak, and ended by nodding. "'I feared so,' she said quietly. "'You see, I recollect nothing of what happened. The last thing I remembered was Dr. Van Heerden sitting beside me and putting something into my arm. It hurt a little, but not very much, and I remember I spoke to him.' I think it was about you. A little color came to her face. Or perhaps he was speaking about you. I am not sure, she said hurriedly. I know that you came into it somehow, and that is all I can recall. Nothing else? he asked dismally. Nothing, she said. Try, try, try to remember, he urged her. He realized he was being a pitiable coward, and that he wanted to shift the responsibility for the revelation upon her. She smiled and shook her head. I am sorry, but I can't remember anything. Now you are going to tell me. He discovered that he was sitting on the edge of the chair, and that he was more nervous than he had ever been in his life. So I am going to tell you, he said in a hollow voice. Of course I'll tell you. It is rather difficult, you understand. She looked at him kindly. I know it must be difficult for a man like you to speak of your own achievements, but for once you are going to be immodest, she laughed. "'Well, you see,' he began, "'I knew Van Heerden wanted to marry you. I knew that all along. I guessed he wanted to marry you for your money, because, in the circumstances, there was nothing else he could want to marry you for,' he added. "'I mean,' he corrected himself hastily, "'that money was the most attractive thing to him.' "'That doesn't sound very flattering,' she smiled. 
i know i am being crude but you will forgive me when you learn what i have to say he said huskily van heerden wanted to marry you and he married me she said and i am going to break that marriage as soon as i possibly can i know i hope so said stanford beale i believe it is difficult but i will do all i possibly can believe me miss cresswell i am not miss cresswell any longer she said with a wry little face but please don't call me by my real name i won't he said fervently you knew he wanted to marry me for my money and not for my beauty or my accomplishments she said and so you followed me down to dean's folly yes yes but i must explain i know it will sound horrible to you and you may have the lowest opinion of me but i have got to tell you he saw the look of alarm gather in her eyes and plunged into his story i thought that if you were already married van heerden would be satisfied and take no further steps against you but i wasn't already married she said puzzled wait wait please he begged keep that in your mind that i was satisfied van heerden wanted you for your money and that if you were already married or even if you weren't and he thought you were i could save you from dangers the extent of which even i do not know and there was a man named homo a crook he had been a parson and had all the manner and style of his profession so i got a special license in my own name you she said breathlessly a marriage license to marry me he nodded and i took homo with me in search for you i knew that i should have a very small margin of time and i thought if homo performed the ceremony and i could confront van heerden with the accomplished deed she sprang to her feet with a laugh oh i see i see she said oh how splendid and you went through this mock ceremony where was i you were at the window he said miserably but how lovely and you were outside in your parson with the funny name but that's delicious so i wasn't married at all and this is your ring she picked it up with a mocking light in her eyes and held it out to him but he shook his head you were married he said in a voice which was hardly audible married how homo was not a fake he was a real clergyman and the marriage was legal they looked at one another without speaking on the girl's part there was nothing but pure amazement but stanford beale read horror loathing consternation and unforgiving wrath and waited as the criminal waits for his sentence upon her next words so i am really married to you she said wonderingly you will never forgive me i know he did not look at her now my own excuse is that i did what i did because i wanted to save you i might have sailed in with a gun and shot them up i might have waited my chance and broken into the house i might have taken a risk and surrounded the place with police but that would have meant delay i didn't do the normal things or take the normal view i couldn't with you he did not see the momentary tenderness in her eyes because he was not looking at her and went on that's the whole of the grisly story mr kitson will advise you as to what steps you may take to free yourself it was a most horrible blunder and it was all the more tragic because you were the victim you of all the persons in the world she had put down the ring and now she took it up again and examined it curiously it is rather quaint isn't it she asked oh very he thought he heard a sob and looked up she was laughing at first silently then as the humour of the thing seized her her laugh rang clear and he caught its infection it's funny she said at last wiping her eyes there is a humorous side to it poor mr beale i deserve a little pity he said ruefully why she asked quickly have you committed bigamy not noticeably so he answered with a smile well what are you going to do about it it's rather serious when one thinks of it seriously so i am mrs stanford beale 
poor mr beale and poor mrs beale to be i do hope she said and this time her seriousness was genuine that i have not upset any of your plans too much oh she sat down suddenly staring at him it would be awful she said in a hushed voice and i would never forgive myself is there forgive my asking the question but i suppose with a flashing smile as your wife i am entitled to your confidence is there someone you are going to marry i have never committed bigamy nor do i contemplate it said beale who was gradually recovering his grip of the situation if you mean am i engaged to somebody in fact to a girl he said recklessly the answer is in the negative there will be no broken hearts on my side of the family i have no desire to probe your wounded heart don't be flippant she stopped him sternly it is a very terrible situation mr beale and i hardly dare to think of it i realize how terrible it is he said suddenly bold and as i tell you i will do anything i can to correct my blunder does mr kitson know she asked he nodded what did mr kitson say surely he gave you some advice he said began stanford and went red the girl did not pursue the subject come let us talk about the matter like rational beings she said cheerfully i have got over my first inclination to swoon you must curb your very natural desire to be haughty i cannot tell you what we can do yet i don't want to discuss the unpleasant details of a divorce he said and perhaps you will let me have a few days before we decide on any line of action van heerden is still at large and until he is under lock and key and this immense danger which threatens the world is removed i can hardly think straight mr kitson has told me about van heerden she said quietly isn't it rather a matter for the english police to deal with as i have reason to know she shivered slightly dr van heerden is a man without any fear or scruple my scruples hardly keep me awake at night he said and i guess i'm not going to let up on van heerden i look upon it as my particular job isn't it she hesitated isn't it rather dangerous for me he laughed no i don't think so and even if it were in the most tragic sense of the word dangerous why that would save you a great deal of unpleasantness i think you are being horrid she said i am sorry he responded quickly i was fishing for a little pity and it was rather cheap and theatrical no i do not think there is very much danger van heerden is going to keep under cover and he is after something bigger than my young life is milsom with him he is the weak link in van heerden's scheme beale said somehow van heerden doesn't strike me as a good team leader and what little i have seen of milsom leads me to the belief that he is hardly the man to follow the doctor's lead blindly besides it is always easier to catch two men than one he laughed that is an old detective's axiom and it works out she put out her hand it's a tangled business isn't it she said i mean us don't let it add to your other worries forget our unfortunate relationship until we can smooth things out he shook her hand in silence and now i am coming out to hear all that you clever people suggest she said please don't look alarmed i have been talking all the afternoon and have been narrating my sad experience such as i remember to the most important people cabinet ministers and police commissioners and doctors and things one moment he said he took from his pocket a stout book i was wondering what that was she laughed you haven't been buying me reading matter he nodded and held the volume so that she could read the title a friend in need by s beale i didn't know you wrote she said in surprise i am literary and even worse he said flippantly i see you have a shelf of books there if you will allow me i will put it with the others 
but mayn't i see it he shook his head i just want to tell you all you have said about van heerden is true he is a most dangerous man he may yet be dangerous to you i don't want you to touch that little book unless you are in really serious trouble will you promise me she opened her eyes wide but mr beale will you promise me he said again of course i'll promise you but i don't quite understand you will understand he said he opened the door for her and she passed out ahead of him kitson came to meet them i suppose there is no news asked stanford none said the other except high political news there has been an exchange of notes between the triple alliance and the german government all communication with the ukraine is cut off and three ships have been sunk in the bosphorus so cleverly that our grain ships in the black sea are isolated that's bad said beale he walked to the table it was littered with maps and charts and printed tabulations mcnorton got up and joined them i've just had a phone message through from the yard he said carter my assistant says he's certain that van heerden has not left london has the girl spoken glaum no she's as dumb as an oyster i doubt if you would get her to speak even if you put her through the third degree and we don't allow that so i am told said beale dryly there was a knock at the door unlock it somebody said kitson i turned the key the nearest person was the member of the corn exchange committee and he clicked back the lock and the door opened to admit a waiter there's a man here he said but before he could say more he was pushed aside and a dusty dishevelled figure stepped into the room and glanced around my name is milson he said i have come to give king's evidence end of chapter twenty eight read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com